0: Hello and welcome to the Women's Energy Council podcast, where we explore lessons and advice from some of the most senior energy executives, focusing on transformational leadership. I'm your host, Emma Shule. In the third and final episode of the Women's Energy Council podcast for International Women's Month, I sat down with Khadid Ndiaye, VP and Country Manager at Cosmos Energy. Having grown a full 20-year career in the banking industry, Khadi made the transition to oil and gas executive in 2019 and now leads Cosmos activities in Senegal and Côte d'Ivoire. She is a graduate of Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service in Washington, D.C. and earned an MBA from Haute étude Commerciale, Paris. This episode turned a spotlight on Africa discussing the growth potential the region retains in conventional energy production. Khadi explains at length the opportunities that recent oil and gas discoveries provide for African countries' GDP growth and for skills development for those local actors working on these projects. It was fantastic to discuss this hopeful future for energy on the African continent, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome Welcome back to the Women's Energy Council podcast, our third installment for International Women's Month in March. Today, I am lucky to be joined by Khaddi Biae from Cosmos Energy. So thank you so much, Khaddi, for joining me today. It's really such a pleasure to have you on the
2: podcast. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for the invitation. It's a great pleasure for me to be here today.
1: Awesome. So to open each episode, we like to start with a bit of a background on you and your story. So could you tell me a little bit about your career journey from education to joining the oil and gas industry?
2: Thank you, Emma, for the question. My journey is a multicultural journey, very rich journey that started in Africa, in Cote d'Ivoire precisely, where I was born, from a Senegalese father and a mother from Cote d'Ivoire. I grew up in Cote d'Ivoire, where I spent a good part of my childhood and left the country as a teenager to join a boarding school in Switzerland after all the schools had closed in Cote d'Ivoire because of political turmoil. And we are in the 90s. At that time, I wanted to be a diplomat, so as soon as I graduated from high school, I've applied for Georgetown School of Foreign Service in Washington, D.C., where I studied international trade, international commerce, and of course, diplomacy. While studying at Georgetown, I quickly understood the interactions and the strong ties between various universes, being diplomatic universe, economic universe, political universe, and I realized that the three were deeply linked, and this is how I chose to do my degree and my major in international economics and trade. And this degree actually uh, enabled me to make the junction between my studies and my first After graduation, I immediately moved back to the continent. I moved back to Côte d'Ivoire and began an internship with Citibank. This internship lasted about a year, and during this year, I you know, did a tour of the bank from front office, middle office, back office, and really learned the job during this one year. And I think that this is where my love for banking started. And after this year, I got offered a position in the trading room that I've accepted. And uh, this is, I would say, where my journey in banking started. I, you know, gradually occupied several positions in the trading room, then as uh, the treasurer of the bank, the regional treasurer. I eventually also been appointed as uh, the regional head for uh, West Africa for um, treasury, uh, covering Cote d'Ivoire and Senegal. And uh, also, after that, I decided to completely change and uh, move to front office. And uh, this is when I applied for uh, the corporate bank position, which is really a front office position. Where you meet clients, you do deals, you uh, you know, we are in contact with the market and uh, the bank. And uh, this journey uh, lasted about uh, 20 years. And I would say that uh, it's a very rich one. And my last position when I was leaving the bank was CEO for West and Central Africa. And I would say that in between, I managed also to go back to school and uh, get an executive MBA from uh, HBC Paris. very rich uh, journey in banking that took me in several locations uh, in africa and also i would say outside africa where i was able to uh, travel a lot meet people uh, meet clients and uh, really learn banking
1: wow i think you've used the word rich to describe your journey and I think that's a great adjective definitely sounds like I mean you visited so many countries worked in so many places and must have built such interesting and rich experiences in all of those those places and all of those positions that you occupied so kind of discussing your career in the financial services and moving on from that having had a full 20-year career in the financial services industry what was it that drew you to your new role with in
2: the oil and gas industry? Yeah, after 20 years in banking, I wanted to do something different and uh, move from this industry and join a new industry. So when the Cosmos opportunity came up, it was really at the right time for me, but also at a very interesting time for the region. At that time, uh, major discoveries had been made in the region, in Britannia, in Senegal, opening huge opportunities for these countries to become energy independent and also to become more prosperous because it would, of course, generate more revenues for the country and lead to a greater development for the country. So the opportunity really came at a very interesting time, both for the region and for myself. And I found that it was a great time for me to uh, make the jump and move out of my comfort zone, And learn, I would say, uh, a new job because although I was a senior executive in banking, for me, joining oil and gas industry was completely new. So uh, it was for me an opportunity to learn, to make also an impact in this position and also to see transformational projects emerge in the region. And I wanted to be part of this and be able to contribute with my experience, with my background to this transformation that was starting in West Africa
1: definitely such an awesome reason to be joining the industry. I think being based in South Africa myself, I always tell people that I think energy in Africa is specifically such an amazing place to be joining this industry because we can make such a difference in the lives of our country people and in the economies of our countries and that ability to contribute to that. I can see why that would be you know, a really big contributing factor to your wanting to join the industry. So... My next question really kind of leads on from that, in that, you know, this is a an interesting time to join oil and gas as the Western world kind of begins to turn away from hydrocarbons. And we all know this is causing a lot of, you know, public policy and financial pressure on what is arguably still a really nascent and growing industry in the African region. So what do you see the future being for oil and gas in Africa? And Where do you see the financial resources coming from to sustain new projects and industry growth?
2: Very interesting question and very interesting time for Africa, where the access to reliable and affordable electricity is an issue. Today, we have nearly 600 million of people in Africa that did not have access to energy in 2018. So expanding access to more reliable and more affordable energy is critical for the continent. All people and all countries deserve access to the energy needed to become prosperous, competitive and climate resilient. In that sense, it's true that uh, the industry is facing financial pressure, but it's critical For us today here in Africa to have the means to develop the project and also to take advantage of the resources that we have to be able to provide this reliable and affordable source of energy for all. And in that sense, developing gas resources is critical. Natural gas is replacing and has replaced the forms of energy, such as coal, heavy fuel oil and kerosene, providing today cleaner power to more people. So for us, it's important that we continue to support those projects in Africa. It's important also for us to continue to have the support from the financial institutions to fund our project. And the president of Senegal, Sall is a clear advocate of a just transition for us is critical for the continent. Not only we need to work to provide security in terms of energy to the Africans, but also we need to work to ensure that the transition to renewable is just and is done at a pace that is sustainable for the continent. And of course, developing gas resources will be using today's technologies that are aiming at producing low-carbon and affordable resources so i believe that today we are at a critical time for securing energy for africa but not only for africa but also the entire world is today seeking at securing energy sources And I'm sure that with the current environment and the pressure on energy security, on gas supply around the world with the Russia-Ukraine crisis, we would see more capital flowing in the continent to support our projects that are key, not only for the continent, but also for the world.
1: I totally agree. And I think it's so important that we have these conversations and and really, you know, discuss this differential between the energy needs in Africa and kind of broader global need to move to, you know, more eco-friendly practices. I think they have to go hand in hand. But as you mentioned, we're seeing this, this real issue with demand and supply and prices increasing. And I think we all have to really recognize that there's a real balance to be had here. And we need to recognize that particularly in places like Africa, energy access really is still a crucial issue. So totally agree with you on all of those. But kind of looking specifically at companies such as Cosmos, so as IOCs kind of move out of the region, out of Africa, what particular role do you expect to see for small and mid-cap players such as Cosmos in the future of African oil and gas?
2: For us, it's really an opportunity. As you know, Africa is the most missing continent for exploration in the world with greatest concentration of explored basin and recently proven reserve. It's true that we are in a world today where majors are divesting assets, but there is not a huge number of buyers, hence creating opportunities for players such as Cosmos, uh, who are willing to take more risk, test model, and who are willing to innovate. Companies like Cosmos are agile. We understand clearly also the countries where we operate. We understand clearly the below and above risk. And we understand also both sides, NOC side, but also IOC side, because the majority of staff are coming from super major. So we are technically sound and strong, and we also understand perfectly the environment where we operate. So for us, we see ourselves as partner to the host countries where we operate. And we also have the technical knowledge and the resources, the relationship to help produce IOC carbons in a responsible manner while ultimately helping the trees to transition to renewable. So clearly for a company like Cosmos, it's really an opportunity for us to be on the continent at the moment.
1: Definitely and I think that localization point is so important and something I actually spoke to another podcast guest about recently that having people who know the local environment, know the key stakeholders, know the risks associated with operating in different areas. I think that's really gonna become so crucial going forward and definitely agreed something that actors like Cosmos can offer to to anyone, you know, any projects developing in the continent Um, so we've kind of spoken now about your work and what you've done with Cosmos and your journey through banking but I wanted to kind of turn towards the topic of diversity and inclusion and your experiences as a female leader in these industries so having built your career in two historically male-dominated industries both finance and energy have you experienced any particular challenges as a female leader and if so how how did
2: you overcome these challenges? Thank you, Wilma, for, for the question. It's great that you are asking this question during this International Women's Day, and we are during the months of women, so uh, I've hoped to see more women in the industries I've worked in. But I have to admit that I've never seen this reality as a challenge, but as an opportunity to see my voice heard. It's true that when you are entering into a boardroom and you are the only woman, it can be intimidating, but you have to quickly put back yourself into the shoes of an executive woman and take this opportunity for you to make your voice heard and make sure that every time you have the opportunity to do so, you size it. So I have to also say that I'm working in a country, Senegal, which is really an exception in that regard women here have occupied very, very senior positions. We had women prime minister, we had a woman head of the constitutional court. Today we have a woman who is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, we have a woman who is the Ministry of Energy. So a lot of examples to show that progresses are being made on the continent. It's at very top level. It's true that we need more of these examples, but I think that we are on the right path and that we are on track to see these uh, historical male dominated industries challenged by women in the future.
1: Well, that's really encouraging to hear that your experience in Senegal and all of those women in such senior positions, I think, of course, you know, we always have to continue working for more women and more representation. But I think having women in those really visible public executive positions really proves to the rest of the community, the rest of the country, whoever is kind of below those women, that, you know, women can do the job, women can be incredible leaders. They can run countries and run departments, ministries. So, you know, I think it's it's amazing to have that representation, even if it is at such a a high level. And also, I think it's so true what you've said, to really just, you know, embrace the challenges, um, embrace using your voice and stepping up to that plate even if it can be intimidating I think you know we have to claim our place in our conversations and if you have a seat in a boardroom you know you have a seat there for a reason so really utilizing your voice I think is so important but kind of looking at you and your personality and your experience as a leader how would you describe your leadership style and how do you think this has contributed to your success as a leader.
2: I would say that my leadership style has evolved over time because leadership for me is a process and it's a process that has evolved based on my responsibilities, my challenges, the situations. So it's really, I would say, the sum of my experiences that has, you know, enabled me to establish my uh, leadership style. I'm sure it will continue to evolve, but at this point in time, I can qualify my leadership as an authentic leadership. And by saying that, I'm saying that it's a leadership that is putting you in front of people the way you are because I think that to be successful as a leader, you need to be true to yourself, true to your team, true to your stakeholders. So I'm a firm believer of authentic leadership. And this leadership style has really helped me during especially the last years, especially during the COVID time, where we had to take some difficult decisions, where every day we had challenges, where every day we were seeing some, I would say very difficult situations around us and yet we have to continue to run the business run the team and you know in those moments you need to be yourself because it's the only way for you to be able to really push the agenda of the company but also it's the only way for you to be comfortable you know in your shoes as a leader so for me being authentic in everything I do everything I say everything I plan is essential I would say it's coupled with also a lot of participation from my team because I think that I can't succeed alone. And I have experienced that a lot in banking where I was able to work with some exceptional bankers and teams over here. And I'm convinced that I would not have been here today without these great teams that I've worked with all year long. So it's a combination of uh, authenticity and inclusion.
1: I think that's two really, really important points and definitely things that other women have mentioned before, particularly on the authenticity and being yourself. You can only really be the best version of you when you're trying to be who you are, you know, and I think you show up as your best self when you feel comfortable, as you said, you know, feeling confident and comfortable in your own shoes, I think is definitely really the approach and the, the participation of team members also speaks to the inclusion piece that we always talk about, you know, we recognize that diversity is important, but why is it important? It's because everyone needs to feel included and feel like their voice can be heard so that you hear that diversity of perspective that really is so crucial and particularly in kind of this energy transition period so definitely i think two very important characteristics that many leaders i'm sure will agree are, are very important so thank you for for sharing that Given that the African oil and gas industry has so much potential, but that renewables will be a growing part of the global energy mix, where do you foresee the best growth opportunities for women wanting to claim their place for participation in African energy?
2: I think that women have roles everywhere from upstream, midstream, downstream, management position. I would say it's really up to them to really find the right fit and develop the skills, to occupy the various and you know, tremendous opportunities that are ahead of, of them. So for me, women have a role to play there. The good thing is that in many African countries, in West Africa, more specifically, we are seeing a lot of projects, new projects, new discoveries. So these are opening doors for, you know, skills, new skills to be built. But this is also an opportunity for women to join the industry and change this industry where we are seeing many men. So the spectrum is vast in terms of uh, what women can do. And uh, we have also local laws that are supporting the inclusion of more locals in the the ecosystem. And women are part of this ecosystem, should be part of this ecosystem. So those laws are there, local content laws are there to progressively include more locals in the ecosystem, but women should be also part of this uh, ecosystem so they should not be afraid of uh, embracing career in oil and gas for them it should be an opportunity to learn to progress and also to be part of what's going on at the moment in this region so they should have their share and also make sure that they are part of this beautiful journey that is currently being i would say uh, that is currently going on in the region. I also encourage women of uh, the diaspora to come back to the continent because they have a lot to bring while being here and while also transmitting what they have learned abroad for women on the ground and also I would advocate and continue to advocate for bridges to be created between the continent and you know the top universities being in Europe, in the US so that more women can be trained and can be educated to be able to come and pay the partition in this oil and gas economy and business that we have in the region.
1: Again, two very important points and what you spoke about, uh, first of all, in women needing to be included in these new projects, I think these two kind of what we spoke about earlier about local actors and local stakeholders being so important and being such a, a valuable resource to these new projects, because, you know, when you've lived in a place your whole life, you know, the industry, you know, the country, the best. And I think very important for women to really grab hold of that opportunity. But I also love what you've said about, you know, women in the diaspora coming back. I think your experience of, you know, going to study overseas and gaining all of that knowledge and, and really having that international experience, but then bringing it back to Senegal is really. The beautiful use of that information and that experience that you've had and it's really amazing that there are these opportunities for you know really incredibly educated women who may have gone overseas to now come back and really contribute to to what's growing at home I think is really exciting and a lovely opportunity that might not have been there before so yeah definitely two awesome points but we've come already to our final question I really enjoyed this conversation so far and I think it's been really insightful and particularly on you know everything that's happening in the African region and oil and gas I think really have been some interesting insights from you so thank Thank you so much. But our last question is returning to you again. And you know, since we aim to champion women's voices and achievements at the Women's Energy Council, I like to end off our conversations by asking if you could choose one achievement in your career that you are most proud of, what would it be?
2: Sorry Emma, I would disappoint you because I won't choose uh, one achievement per se, but I would say that uh, I'm very proud to have, over the years, be able to develop a great sense of flexibility and freedom in my thinking process. That has enabled me to make decisions in my career and challenges. And by doing so, moving me out of my comfort zone at several occasions. So this flexibility, agility, and freedom of mind, I've developed it and grew it over the years during my career. And I'm particularly happy and proud about this personal transformational process. Thank you very much, Emma.
1: No, I mean, that's not a disappointment at all, Gadi. I think that's beautiful. I think definitely, I mean, being proud of, you know, a trait that you've displayed throughout your career is a great achievement to choose. And I'm sure did contribute a lot to your development and your your movement through the ranks into these C-level positions. I think definitely would have been due to that flexibility and that ability to kind of move where you needed to go, even though it might have been challenging challenging at times so definitely not a disappointing answer don't worry but thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode today as I said it's really been so interesting so thank you again for joining me it's been great to have you on the podcast
2: thank you very much Emma it was my pleasure thank you very much
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode Tune in next time to hear more valuable insights from others leading transformation in the energy industry.